Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. different environmental uh, announcements to make and then in a follow-up episode I just want to give you a heads up that I'm going to do another um, special uh, episode announcement and everything but I just wanted to give you a heads up for a future podcast episode coming up uh, soon about that. I'm really excited because I have some special shout outs to make and I'm really happy to you know talk about those again in a later episode but I want to uh, just give you the information about some environmental holidays of course you can mark your calendars um, regarding these and you know tell your friends and family and uh, everything else so the first uh, day to celebrate is National Fossil Day. Yes, anyone who loves dinosaurs, plant matter, special animals, you know, animals from um, years and millions and millions of years ago, this is the time to, you know, celebrate that. It's on October the 13th. The next holiday is International Day for Natural Disaster Reduction. This is perfect for all those in disaster management field, natural, um, you know, disaster prevention. Uh, all types of uh, different industries and agencies um, have to battle and work to, you know, fight uh, the devastation caused by natural disasters. And that's also celebrated on October the 13th. Next is uh, October the 14th, which is um, the day to celebrate International E-Waste Day. And then lastly is Global Hand Washing Day, celebrated the day after on October the 15th. Headlines from the Hemispheres is our next segment up, and it's where I cover all types of different environmental news headlines all across the globe, and I try to give a synopsis of the news and then tell you a little bit about it and where it's from in the world. So the first headline we're going to talk about is out of the United Kingdom, and there are a few different universities involved uh, in this research. It's kind of cool, and I think any cat lover will um, especially love hearing about this news. So slow blinking may help humans bond with cats, study says, and HuffPost had the story And yes, two different universities uh, were uh, covering uh, this information. So both the University of Sussex and the University of Portsmouth in the UK, and it was published in the uh, journal Scientific Reports. 
It's a new study and it is about how cats can communicate uh, with humans and humans can do so with cats, but doing it in a way where, you know, they connect and how cats can sort of be warmed up better to their owners by way of slow blinking, which is where people can essentially bond with their cats because that's how, you know, cats uh, tend to communicate in this way. We learned that uh, with slow blinking, that means that you're using your eye contact with the cat and it's a slow closing and opening of your eyes. It's kind of a fun, relaxing motion, if you will. And with the cat behavior experts, they were um, suggesting that um, cat slow blinking um, at, a, at a human is a sign of trust and comfort. So that's what you want uh, from your cat. So there were different experiments going on to test um, how the cats fared um, with this interaction from the humans. So there were different sets of cats. One set had 21 cats and another had 24 cats separately. And the first experiment was from uh, different households and the researchers took videos of the cat's reaction to their owner's slow blinking uh, at them while they were at home. And then also there was a, a video that was taken when the owners were not uh, were in the room, but not interacting with the cats. The second experiment had 24 cats, again, videotaped. And what was videotaped was how each cat responded to the slow blinking from uh, one of the researchers um, saying that a stranger to the cat versus... Um, a neutral expression uh, without direct eye contact. So the reason for the neutral expression uh, lacking, you know, that direct eye contact is because cats interpret uh, really targeted, sustained, prolonged eye contact as a threat. That's no surprise. A lot of animals, you know, um, uh, perceive uh, prolonged eye contact and other motions and movements um, as a threat. Uh, after each trial, the researcher extended a hand towards the cat. So with all this information, be sure that when you're hanging out with your kitty or grown cat next time, be sure to slowly blink and, you know, have your cat warm up to you and they'll really, you know, warm, warm them up and uh, hopefully they, you know, really... Um, you know, warm up to your movements and really feel a connection of trust and bonding there, um, even for long time cat owners. And next is the um, headline out of Canada, specifically in Quebec, um, and it's about income inequality during the coronavirus. So trust and income inequality fueling the spread of COVID-19. And this was on phys.org, phys as in physics or physical science. Uh, and the researchers here come out of McGill University in Canada. So as we know that the spread of the coronavirus has been linked to almost every form of life you can think of uh, in any, any, you know, facet of our lives, uh, whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's travel, just everything is connected. And in public institutions, it's no different. So uh, with um, the trust um, in public institutions being linked to uh, further coronavirus death deaths, that's really important. 
Now, when it comes to the study, it uh, did the study of uh, 30 days of uh, coronavirus death rates in 84 countries, and it showed that there was greater economic inequality uh, associated and tied to death by the coronavirus. Now, what does this mean? This means that high trusting societies that are more susceptible in some ways to misinformation or the spread of false information, definitely um, from you know bogus treatments or from uh, attitudes not serious about social distancing, are putting themselves at grave risk of uh, transferring and, and transmitting the coronavirus especially. Now, uh, when it comes to public institutions, they're doing their part in encouraging people to, um, you know, stay mobilized and, you know, away from crowds and wearing masks and washing their hands and practicing social distancing and physical distancing. But countries like um, uh, ones that have huge gaps in inequality, specifically economic inequality, rich and poor, these places are suffering more. Um, from deaths, not surprisingly, here in the U.S., in Russia, and also in Brazil. So you can uh, learn a little bit more of this research if you choose to. There is the research uh, paper uh, done by the three different authors, Frank Elgar, uh, Anna Stefaniak, and Michael Wall, and this is uh, the article is entitled "The Trouble with Trust: Time Series Analysis of Social Capital, Income Inequality, and COVID Deaths in 84 Countries," and it's published in the journal Social Science and Medicine. And then, lastly, is some information regarding what's happening in Pakistan now, because they want to push forward with more pressing actions on reducing climate change where they are. So with glaciers melting and temps soaring, Pakistan pursues big action on climate change. NPR.org reported on this. And it starts off in the article with Leiba um, Atik. And she's a teenager on a mission and specifically is doing so with planting trees as a volunteer where she lives. And she's doing her part and she says, quote, it's our duty as citizens to implement actions that can make, make, can make planet a better place to live in, end quote. She used her best English as she could to say what she wanted to say, but her planting drive is really, um, what those in Pakistan, Pakistanis are trying to do. They're trying to um, do many things to combat what's happening in their country right now. And planting trees is an excellent idea. Their government even is aiming to plant 10 billion trees over five years with the help of local communities. Now, uh, this uh, change and other types of environmental actions count a lot um, towards preventing what's happening in a, a lot of developing countries today. Uh, many of the countries around the world that are trying to you know, bounce back from disaster, they're suffering from many things like floods and droughts and being killed by the thousands or being affected or displaced from where they live. And there are even floods over limited resources. Now, there, there's also deforestation, climate change, fossil fuel use, uh, mainly coal in Pakistan, and also overpopulation because it's the fifth largest uh, country in the world are some of the major environmental issues in Pakistan. 
Now, the Pakistani government is also uh, trying to uh, up their uh, use when it comes to electric vehicles and implementing policies uh, over in the summer of uh, 2020. And they plan to get two-thirds of their electricity from wind, solar, and hydropower by 2030. The source for the news we're going to talk about comes out of Environmental News Network. I love, love, love their site. And it is one uh, topic that we're going to talk about that I haven't touched on really, but I probably should have, especially when I was doing a lot of the ocean episodes um, back um, in early, you know, 2020 and in 2019, but nonetheless, we're going to talk about tires and a little bit of pollution in the ocean and some new research and a study done out of the UK. And for all my UK folks or all those who are really interested in ocean pollution or recycling of tires, maybe you're in the auto industry and you want some tips or those who are gardeners who uh, want to make use of tires, you will definitely love uh, this podcast episode going forward. And uh, I'm pretty excited to talk about uh, these things because, you know, tires are connected to anyone who has a business vehicle, you know, goes to work in a car, um, you know, on vacation, travels by car, you know, um, nine times out of 10 or tries to, or in any way that you uh, use a vehicle on the grounds, on the road, you are connected uh, to tires in some way, whether you're trying to get them repaired, uh, trying to, you know, have new tires and use them. Maybe you are a, a, a car seller or maybe you fix antique cars and want to, you know, spruce them up. Maybe you do a lot of replacing of tires and making sure that they're perfect for whatever car that you're trying to retrofit. So, uh, Everyone I know, you know, offhand can, you know, have some connection to cars, at least those who drive and for, um, you know, car um, necessities and maintenance and everything else that's tied to a car. So we're going to talk about this uh, new tire tracking process on the UK UK horizon. And hopefully this uh, technology, this research will be used um, in other countries and other places that uh, go through tires endlessly, um, like the millions that uh, we here in the U.S. Uh, go and use uh, every single year. So with tire particles, they are the small but mighty and seem to be in a lot of places in a transfer in large numbers from vehicles and uh, off-road uh, vehicles, just any place, and they somehow get their um, little um, rubber and chemically laden parts into our rivers and lakes and oceans. So with every piece of a tire, we need to learn how it manifests. We need to learn how it got that small and where we can track it and you know learn about the impact that it's making um, to our, our waterways. So there was a recent project that was funded by the Natural Environment Research Council, and they focused mainly on this toxic kind of marine litter and the effects that it could have on our seas and the species, of course, within our seas. So there were a few different uh, in institutions involved in the research and there were three of them, uh, three or four of them specifically, or three uh, institutions, universities, and then a laboratory. 
There's the universities of Plymouth, Exeter, and Newcastle, and then the lab, Plymouth Marine uh, Laboratory. And all of them were involved in researching and quantifying the, the large number of uh, particulate um, tire matter at different points of entry to the marine environment. And uh, they focused on uh, where it was spread, um, and some of the harm that it can cause, and they measured the um, concentrations in the sediment, in the sand, in water, and uh, all the uh, organisms um, that they could track up to 15 kilometers from the shoreline. The project, um, you can read a little bit more about it. It's called Lost at Sea, Where Are All the Tire Particles? Uh, it's otherwise known as tire loss, tire with a T-Y-R-E, spelled um, the uh, English way or the British way of tire, not how we say it um, in the U.S. here, T-I-R-E. And uh, that uh, project that they've uh, since made it was built on previous research earlier um, that was published in 2020. Uh, that was led by the University of Plymouth and Newcastle University. And for them, their project, or in that project that they had before, it had looked at and studied 100 million meters, um, square meters of the UK's river network, which is huge, and more than 50 million uh, meters squared of estu estuaries and coastal waters that were at risk of contamination by tire particles. Now, this research that they have developed, um, they also are trying to focus on um, constructing different mathematical models and um, those that will be best for describing and finding uh, different tire particles on or in inshore water. So this is great. I don't know how this technology will develop and how it'll progress to other places beyond the UK, but we'll see. Maybe I'll do an update uh, episode. But um, the research was pretty dynamic because they did um, pull together, again, the world's leading experts, those in microplastics fields, environmental chemistry, uh, coastal dynamics, ecotoxicology, and they even had the advisory group, um, including many, you know, big change, change makers, like policymakers, representatives of the tire industry, um, those in the automobile industry, plastics and water industries, and also environmental charities. So lastly, I want to uh, pull a notable quotable and then proceed after that. So quote, this project is important to further our understanding and brings together partners with whom we, we have worked previously on groundbreaking research into the causes and effects of marine litter. The advisory group also ensures that our evidence can be used to help guide solutions as it is only by working in tandem with industry and policymakers that we can truly address the global crisis of plastic pollution. And quote, and that quote was from Professor Richard Thompson, OBEFRS, head of the International Marine Litter Research Unit at the University of Plymouth, and principal investigator on the Tire Loss Project. You know, what um, is stopping us from uh, talking about tires enough? I know that for me, 
usually when I come in contact with tires, I'm either um, at the at a dealership and in the auto repair shop there um, and dealing with that, or I'm putting air in my own tires and just, you know, fixing uh, any problems that may be, you know, going wrong with my tires. But I wish that there was uh, more of a, um, a way that it could be um, more popular or just made normal to talk about uh, what happens after certain parts of our car we need to get replaced and not assuming, um, for example, that, you know, car repair folks or those in the auto industry uh, will just take care of it because you either have to pay a fee or sometimes they'll, you know, take it off your hands for free. But, you know, we should know what happens, you know, after we donate our cars or certain parts or even junk them or scrap them or recycle parts or even our replacing parts, what happens uh, after uh, the tires that we use, what happens after um, we're done with our tires. Um, I know that uh, not every car dealership has a repair shop. Some do, um, but, you know, they usually will re recycle your oil and some garages do too, um, or you're charged for that, which is okay. It's included in the total bill. Um, but, you know, when... Um, you know, your car needs to be maintenance in other parts, like they handle those things. But what about, um, you know, your tires? Um, I know that um, sometimes uh, car repair folks, mechanics, they may want to, you know, steadily talk with you and just sit down with your car and, and see what they can do. But some people really just are out to just you know, repair your car, finish your car, and move on to the next. And you want someone to care as much about your car um, as you would and, you know, not try and rip you off, you know, try and get the best tires, you know, the tires that don't, you know, shed that will kind of stand up, you know, for, you know, thousands of miles, hundreds of thousands of miles if they can. Um, you know, I, I know that tires can be expensive, but maintenance, you know, can be expensive too, you know, try and not run your car into the ground because you'll end up paying more, um, in the long run. Um, for me, I've had two cars um, uh, thus far in my life, and the first one I had was my 2006 uh, Passat Volkswagen, and I donated that um, to the Sierra Club in 2019, and um, I have my newer car, which is still a 2006, but it's a Nissan Maxima, and it's, it's pretty good with repairs and maintenance and all that because it's so um, much older, but I kind of like that, like my last repair bill... Um, was in early 2020, like in the spring, and it was like $800 for like everything. And it was like for um, a few things that, that was wrong. And I didn't, I knew there were some things wrong and I, I told them, you know, what I could find and see on my dashboard, what was causing any issues. But it's it's great with the maintenance and everything like that. So I don't really have any complaints about that. But I did have to replace two tires on my Volkswagen um, and this was before. Um, I had I had donated it and everything, but um, it, it's great to trust and, you know, hope for the best of, you know, where your tires are going, but you also want to know where, and it's great to ask questions. I know sometimes it can be daunting or you feel like maybe they, they're too pressed for time or maybe they don't care or maybe they just want your money, but no, if I'm going to, if I'm going to come to you for service, I want to know at least on the, the eco-friendly green part inside of things, what's happening after oil, the oil and other parts or tires are getting recycled. 
I want to know, you know, are they being shredded? Are they being used for something? Are they being scrapped and going to a landfill? If so, let me keep the tire and let me repurpose it and reuse it, which I'll, I'll get to a little bit of suggestions later on. But we have options um, when it comes to our tires. So now I want to talk about some facts um, according to popular mechanics about what's inside of a tire. We know that they're usually black um, and they get... Um, decreased in color a little bit less shiny over time if you have a new new tire it's pr it's probably shiny it looks like you know it came off the rack it's beautiful and then over time as dirt and crud and rocks and scrapes and nails and everything else on you know the asphalt and roadways and everything gets into it it kind of you know degrades a little bit and of course it sheds um, parts of it and gets smaller and smaller and everything else Blown tires you've probably seen on your highways and roads and dumped in places. It can get pretty gnarly. So inside of a tire, 19% of it is the natural rubber. And usually the trees come out of Southeast Asia. 38% is the synthetic rubber, which is uh, butadine, styrene, and halobutyl um, rubber. And they have also additives to make it, you know, pliable to make it a plastic um, part make it rubber synthesized a little bit stretchy uh, to prevent also damage from the ozone and oxygen and also to promote curing four percent is synthetic polymer uh, fabric belts which is a nylon and rayon and aramid for reinforcement of the tire 12 percent is wire or carbon uh, high carbon steel uh, for a bit more reinforcement and then 26% are fillers like carbon black and silica. Now, where do uh, dead tires go? Again, I guess they're, you know, painting live tires as used tires, um, tires that have used that aren't um, going to be repurposed or anything. So dead tires, where do these go? Well, um, according to these stats, 26% are ground into filler for asphalt and insulation. 11% uh, is dumped into our landfills, uh, where a tire takes 100 years or hundreds of years uh, to decompose. 7% is blended into roadbeds, barriers, retaining walls, and other civil engineering uses. 7% is recycled into things like playground surfaces and tire swings. And then uh, nearly a half, or 49%, is burned for fuel. Now, uh, tire rubber, it has a ton of energy in it, BTUs, um, a lot more than uh, coal does, um, but like any other type of solid fuel, tires burn dirty and they require energy to clean up the particulate matter. Now, here in the U.S., there are different states um, that require uh, tire recycling, and there are other states that, of course, banned tires from landfills, which is a good thing. As of 2017, uh, 36 states have banned tires from landfills, including California, uh, Colorado, Florida, Illinois, Massachusetts, Michigan, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and also Texas. So next, what we're going to talk about are some amazing tips just to learn about uh, how tires can be a little bit recycled and also how to repurpose and uh, reuse tires for different things um, so that they don't, you know, get mismanaged or thrown into a landfill. Mm -hmm.
the Mother Earth Minutes is where we review in the next few minutes for active things that we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. Now, as we know, in this podcast episode, we have learned about tires and uh, some research in the UK of how they are managing where our tires ending up in our oceans. And hopefully that research can uh, wave over uh, to the US and other parts um, of the world that have some of the highest uh, rates of uh, tire disposal, uh, mismanagement, and all types of other uses that aren't optimal for tires. Now, I want to break down a few facts as part of the message for this segment uh, and then go forth as far as where we can learn a bit more about making use of tires next time. So there are a few facts. One of them is that here in the U.S., we dispose of 300 million tires per year in the U.S., uh, almost one per person, uh, and also um, with tires, uh, there are in there are in landfills. They kind of trap water that attracts rodents and mosquitoes, and also 80% of the tires that are disposed of in the U.S. 80% uh, of them are reused uh, in tire-derived fuel or as new rubber products or road construction for other purposes. But 16%, almost 20% are also, you know, still sent to the landfill, according to uh, the U.S. Tire Manufacturers Association and Earth911.org. Now, Earth911.org, as you know, I have talked about them uh, in other podcast episodes. I love them. I did like a whole um, uh, episode or a segment at least um, and talked about them and, and their um, recycling uh, app and locator is amazing. I use it. I love it. And I've had it for years, probably five, six years, maybe a long time. And uh, I still think that it's one of the best when it comes to trying to find recycling resources in their articles. They have uh, information. They have videos. They have a, a podcast. They have so much uh, on um all types of things, recycling, green friendly um, homes and energy, so much that they have as far as a resource. So they've cultivated a few ways um, of recycling tires. And one of the first things that you can do uh, when it comes to recycling tires is to think before disposing of the tires to ask if your auto shop or your trusted garage um, if your old tires can be retreaded or repaired um, either option is great for extending the life of the tires and making it cheaper than buying new tires outright you know sometimes it could be a few hundred you know per tire depends on you know the the make and model of the car sometimes if it's a um, if it's a retro car or a car that you know um, is a pricey car sometimes the tires are even more expensive like for example on Lamborghinis you know or versus Tesla's or Nissan's or any other car maybe a luxury car those tires can add up in price so maybe you're going to you know try to retread the tire and ask you know just ask them if they can do it maybe they know a few cons Contacts that can set you up for retreading of um, your tires. Uh, 
tip number two is that um, if you happen to you know get your tires replaced at the auto shop ask if that shop will recycle the old tires for you sometimes you know they will maybe you don't have to ask but you know it's not always good to assume uh, so just depending on where you live the cost of, of the new tires may include a tax that funds the disposal of your new tires or disposal may be included in the service charge, which makes sense. Sometimes they will just let you know about that, just like uh, when it comes to um, recycling of oil, your used oil. Um, so same thing with tires, you may, you may just wanna ask and just have everything clarified so that you know what's going on. A number three tip is if you are recycling the tires yourself and you don't want to deal with a third party or anything, a company, um, you'll need to remove the rim uh, and the wheel weights first. So that's a, a different method. And also a few other things to remember is that you can't recycle tires curbside, at least here in the U.S. Um, that is what is um, definitely for sure. Um, and they're heavy enough that the trash... Uh, staff trash workers will know what's up and they'll probably just you know chuck it anyway not chuck it as in they'll um trash it for you but they'll you know pro probably politely tell you or just put it to the side and outside of the uh, recycling bin now also there's really no money uh, to be made off recycling tires like from from you as a person and individual uh, only when it comes to the rim recycling is what you can get the deal on uh, from a scrap dealer and then also you gotta uh, remove the rim uh, before recycling or trying to recycle the tire or paying for a recycler too uh, next I want to I uh, just list off a few different uh, repurposing ideas and items that you could use uh, with the old tires uh, any size, essentially, you can uh, use um, them to make any of these things that I mentioned. The first uh, item is that you can use uh, tires for chairs and ottomans. You can affix uh, certain things like fabrics or uh, maybe wood or something else alongside the tires and kind of make it your own. You know, there's an, an essentially endless um, resources and videos and blogs and everything else associated with this and I didn't even know that people can make an ottoman out of a tire which is like insanely cool and I saw some of the pictures online and I was like oh this is so fantastic and it looks sturdy and it makes so much sense and it's you know more uh, concentrated and, and a, li a little bit more um, I think tough and sturdy than an ottoman that you know full of fabric and fluff and everything else and wood and everything else so you know tires are probably the way to go you know when it comes to trying to do something like this uh, number two is you can make an end table uh, with the tires number three is a tire swing or a climbing uh, tower uh, you'll see those in uh, places that are wedged like in with a dirt wall or sometimes a, a concrete or other type of wall where they have the tires but they're like lodged um, in the setting itself it's pretty cool number four are teeter-totters number five is uh, putting tires in a sandbox or having it placed there in it Number six is uh, having hanging planters and having the tires um, as part of it. 
And number seven uh, is the idea of raised garden beds for all those who love plants and gardening and just being outside. If you want something to stabilize plants, you know it's not going anywhere, then tires are a good thing. And lastly is yard art. And next, I want to briefly mention um, just to let you know about the eco fact of the day um, that I did uh, talk about uh, glyphosate, which is uh, mentioned uh, in the eco fact of the day. And I did a whole podcast episode uh, on it. It's pretty recent, probably about five or six uh, podcast episodes ago. And for all those interested about glyphosate and the toxic herbicide that it is, I encourage you to go ahead and listen in depth to that podcast episode. Uh, it was really good. I felt like it was really in-depth and I went ham and I really tried to give you as much information about it so that you can prepare yourselves and prevent um, you know, any residual effects and uh, any um, health uh, effects and damages um, you know, due to exposure to glyphosate. fact of the day is that Bayer says it will pay more than 10 billion to settle thousands of lawsuits from people alleging that their cancers were caused by Roundup, the company's glyphosate-based herbicide. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club, Sierra Magazine, in the September-October 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is where I talk about amazing companies that are diverse enough that they appeal to a lot of people, but you still get the edge that they uh, are coming from a good place and they make it so with their products that care about the planet and put the planet first. And they're people friendly and these companies really care about their product but also care about you as a customer, as a growing consumer, as a concerned consumer um, who's concerned about the planet and where it's going. And so I, I make all these you know, reviews fun and I, I try to be as in-depth and as honest and as transparent uh, as I can about uh, what's happening you know, with these companies, how they're growing, um, where they operate, um, and their values. And try to sync them up with here um, on Greener Thoughts, where you know we make um, environmental news, um, you know, plentiful, and research, and kind of go in depth as far as a lot of things. And every topic I try and cover, um, I try and make it as you know fun, but also as informative and as descriptive as I can, and provide solutions. And I sort of bring that also with the reviews I do. And with all these different products, whether it's beauty products, whether it's uh, services that are great and help you recycle, or things like, you know, clothing brands as well. Tons of things I cover um, in uh, the program totally, but here in this spotlight and in this segment, I try to um, be as uh, fun and uh, really bring to light these companies so that you can you know invest your money in them and you know trust these brands you know maybe these are brands you haven't heard of 
um, are new for you. And as always, if you want to share some, definitely I'm all ears open. There are different ways to do that. You can send me a voice message. I love, love voice messages. You can do so via the Anchor app online at anchor.fm forward slash greener thoughts podcast or by email at greener thoughts podcast at gmail.com i've been doing a number of reviews since february 2019 and one of the latest companies i have to let you know about is all for the men uh, which is essentially in the minority when it comes to listening on my podcast it's mainly um, you know, women listeners that I have listening to my podcast, which is lit, you know, girl power. But, you know, sometimes the men need products too. You know, a lot of times they get sweaty and they have to, you know, shower and shave and everything else. So for them, this company review and informative uh, breakdown is for y'all. So it's called Dr. Squatch and it's made for men. Dr. Squatch. Uh, soap bars um, and more provide men with what they need in hygiene uh, as far as their repertoire goes. Uh, When it comes to the diverse scents, there are many of the forests, of the sea, uh, earth, plants like spearmint and eucalyptus, uh, drinks like your bourbon, rum, whiskey, and more types of scents, you will find pleasure in learning your perfect scent. Founded by Jack Haldrip and promoted with the fine help of actor and comedian James Schrader, Dr. Squatch is uh, the brand to give men the edge they need to stay clean and to do so naturally with nothing artificial. So that is a lot covering, you know, Dr. Squatch. They uh, do a lot. And for our sustainability, uh, Dr. Squatch um, has amazing products. Um, They're mostly vegan with their products, even though some of their products do contain animal fats and tallows. I want to get that out of the way. Um, Like their deep sea goat's milk bar and their eucalyptus yogurt bar and their shampoos, um, they're not vegan. They do have a ton of different natural um, products like the ingredients in a lot of their products are natural. Some of them are man-made, but they kind of aid in the cohesiveness of the product. It's not that they're detracting from the product itself. It's kind of like it, it needs that little bit in there. But they're not ex- exorbitantly um, ferocious um, with their man-made chemicals. They're, they're just not in there like that. You can see transparent list of the info of all their ingredients uh, in the section on the website, the bottom um, of their webpage. Um, and then they do have that recyclable, uh, reusable packaging. Their oils in their products are plant-based. They're made in small batches and they're transparent in their process from start to finish and in their ingredients listing. It's really amazing. Uh, I do love that they have a, a ton of different things. I'm a bar soap girl. Like I've, I've been, I've been, um, converted to bar soaps for a few years now and um, it's great that the men have such a variety of bar soaps. Like this is lit for any um, woman who's listening, and maybe you're, you know, interested in getting something for your sweetie or your boyfriend, your husband, fiance, etc. Uh, you will love this. There's such a variety of different products, and again, you know, mostly natural, uh, plenty vegan stuff for your man. And, um, you know, if you're, um, you know, a man who's listening, you will love the variety of different products here too. 
And so with the bar soaps, there's definitely scents and different kinds like fresh falls, cedar, citrus, spearmint, basil, bay rum, cold brew cleanse, eucalyptus yogurt, grapefruit IPA, deep sea goat's milk, cool fresh aloe, gold moss, alpine sage, uh, wood barrel bourbon, uh, pine tar, Irish cream and whiskey, and also the limited edition St. Patty's Day bundle. They also have hair care products like the shampoo and conditioner. They have deodorant sets. They have this hand sanitizer and hand soap, which both come in the same different scents. They have a toothpaste uh, set. They have the bundle sets, which you can get as well. They have beard oils, they have men's cologne in both sandalwood bourbon and in crushed pine. They have candles and they also have different accessories too. Now I haven't experienced uh, using Dr. Squatch products mainly because I thought that they were, because they were marketed to men so much, um, I didn't know, you know, if there were um, products specifically, you know, for us women. Like I... Um, I love, um, you know, beauty products and cosmetic products, etc. such the same, but it's great that there are, there's such a range of different products. So for me, if, um, you know, in the future I could get my hands on the products, I would definitely buy a few things, namely hand sanitizer, cause I love a good natural hand sanitizer. So I'd buy the crisp, uh, citrus hand sanitizer and then the bar soaps are fresh falls, cedar citrus. Uh, deep sea goat's milk, cool fresh aloe, eucalyptus yogurt, and bay rum. But I would really love the goat's milk uh, bar, the eucalyptus yogurt one, and also the bay rum one. Because I know I probably can't get them all at the same time because um, that's a lot of bar soaps. But hey, if you get packs or bundles, it stretches, you know, for a longer time. And that's, you know, really great use. Um, I do love that there's a variety of scents. It's insane how many soaps they have and their products are just really cool looking. Um, their products I saw on their FAQ page are unisex. So uh, definitely um, their products aren't just, they are mostly marketed to men, sure. But women can use them or, you know, those who maybe don't identify as a woman or man can use them, sure. You know, non-binary folks, you know, have at it. Um, you know, those, um, uh, who you know, look at their page, they see that there's, you know, somewhat simple packaging to their products and they have a ton of high reviews on, you know, their soaps firsthand and other products too. I definitely don't see too many bad reviews of highly scented, fresh, natural soap. Like there's some good stuff looking on their page. Now they have really, um, versatile uh, prices and their bundles are kind of up there. You know, $50, $60 for bundles, you know, of soap, like five, six, seven bundles and stuff. And um, depending on other things that you can have, like they have a lot of products that you can get, five, six, seven, eight products that you can buy for one bundle price, which they have on the website. And with their bar soaps, one soap is $7, which is kind of up there as far as a bar soap. Um, it's up there as far as like the, I wouldn't say, you know, luxe soap, you know, because there are some... Um, brands, you know, like your Italian brands, etc., American brands of soap that are kind of classics, but they're pricey as far as soaps. But this isn't so bad, you know, if you want just one bar of soap. But if you want two bars of soap, that's $14. Three bars of soap, that's $21. And the currencies on the site are in US dollars and in Canadian dollars. 
Now I give them five out of five green thumbs up for all of what I see. Their marketing is bar none. No one else can compare to the popularity, I think, of another type of um, hygiene product or body care product as what I've seen, especially for men. Like other than maybe Old Spice, but again, it has to be, we're thinking of, you know, uh, men's care, but, you know, natural and, and, and um, natural good products. Like there's not another brand I know of that has the popularity and addictiveness and is still you know, uh, mostly natural, uh, or, you know, mostly natural, um, brands. So, um, that's really, um, you know, takes the cake for me. They're amazing and I love their stuff and what I see. And I definitely will be checking out their stuff in the future and buying a few bars, uh, probably on their site or either Amazon. I'm not sure. But I know that with Dr. Squatch, you can find their products online, uh, mainly on drsquatch.com on their website and on amazon.com, of course. Uh, with Dr. Squatch, uh, they can be found on different social media platforms like on Facebook at Dr. Squatch, uh, also on Instagram at Dr. Squatch. Uh, they're on LinkedIn at Dr. Squatch. They're on Pinterest at Dr. Squatch Soap Co. On Twitter, they're um, at the handle Dr. Squatch. And on YouTube, they're on uh, there at Dr. Squatch as well. To contact Dr. S- Dr. Squatch, just go to the website again, drsquatch.com. And then check out the bottom of the website under contact us to message or write them. I hope that this episode was helpful for all those out there who are listening and you're really, you know, having questions about what to do with your tires or how to repurpose them or just really um, someone who didn't have an idea of what to do with them or wanted to learn just a little bit more about uh, ocean pollution and about tires, I'm really happy that you decided to listen and I love you so much for checking out the episode and just supporting Greener Thoughts, period. Again, um, I always try to give love and thanks to all those um, who, you know, are, you know, really doing um, amazing things uh, with sharing the podcast episode and just really being a consistent listener and uh, all types of other things. Um, I'm really, you know, thankful and appreciative. Um, and there's so much that I want to do when it comes to, you know, where Greener Thoughts can go. And definitely in the future. Um, definitely things like giveaways more so. Uh, maybe merch in the future. I like the idea, like stickers and coasters. But um, uh, other things too. So uh, we'll see. But for all those interested, definitely um, you can always uh, be sure to, you know, send me a message um, about, you know, anything uh, regarding the podcast episodes. Like if something struck you, of course, I'm no stranger to um, accepting uh, voice messages, emails. I'll definitely shout you out in them and read them and answer them, of course, on the uh, podcast. I probably haven't uh, advertised that uh, as well. But you can definitely be sure to, you know, contact me about, um, you know, the topics that I cover. There's so many different ones. If you have a question or uh, insight into, you know, possible topic, you know, I'll definitely be sure to cover, um, you know, those different topics. And if you'd like to support Greener Thoughts, definitely you can do so. 
at 99 cents per month or $4.99 per month or $9.99 per month US dollar currency. And there's ways to do that, of course, on the anchor.fm site forward slash greener thoughts podcast and then click support. Uh, thank you for all those who do or have um, supported. And I'll be sure to do special uh, shout outs um, in the future or really soon uh, regarding that. So I have a little bit um, of news regarding that. I'm really happy to announce, um, you know, some paid supporters. I'm really happy. So thank you so much for listening. Be sure to share this with someone who you know uh, could take in this information. You know, maybe someone who's concerned about oceans. Maybe they'd love to check out this info. And thank you again for listening. I will definitely do another podcast episode in the near future about another different topic. Uh, So until then, again, be sure to take care of yourselves and also to please take care of the planet. Be well. Thank you.